0: Hey, sports fans, it's happening again. Coming to you from Altman Studios in downtown Brentwood to your ears wherever you are, this is Clockton with the Press, Sports Edition. I'm your host, Jake Menez. Normally I have Kyle Szymanski with me here, but to this week he's on vacation, so joining me today are Caitlin Gleason Hello. and Rooten Tooten, Melissa Van Rooten. Hey there. And we're going to let Melissa start us off with a national story about hockey.
1: Well, I do love me some hockey. San Jose Sharks traded defenseman Jacob Middletown to the Minnesota Wild for goalie Capo Kakanen along with the 2022 fifth-round draft choice. This led some to speculate that the Sharks goalie, James Reimer, would also be on the move. Quote, It's trade deadline day. I've been through 12 of them by now, and you never know what's going to happen, Reimer said. You care, but you can't control it. So you just sit back and let it happen and see what happens by the end of the day. Reimer will be keeping his spot in net for San Jose, but Kakanen made his debut last week in a road game against the Edmonton Oilers. San Jose did lose that game 5-2. Once Aiden Hill heals from a lower body injury, the Sharks will have three goalies on their active roster for the remainder of the regular season. Sharks officials are hopeful that Hill will be off the injured reserve list soon. The Sharks take on the Colorado Avalanche tonight in Colorado. Puck drop is at 6 p.m., and then on Saturday, the Sharks will be back home to face the Dallas Stars. So hopefully, I'm not sure when Kakenen, uh is starting, you know, the next time. Uh, I'd have to look that up. Sharks aren't really my team. I'm a Bruins fan. I I'm, knew it. I'm an <laughs> East Coast girl. Got a shout out to my Bruins. Although they lost miserably to the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday. They, they're vying for third place for the mm. playoffs. And so they had moved into the third place spot. And then the Leafs beat them, which took them back out of the third place spot. So hopefully for the rest of the regular season, we can outplay the Leafs well enough to at least get, I mean, we still have the
2: wild card spot.
0: No, we, in this case, is the Bruins and not the Sharks, right? Yeah. Sorry. Okay, I've
2: okay. moved on to the Bruins. I'm, when, I'm far more
1: knowledgeable about no, the Bruins than the Sharks. When the
2: Bruins and the Sharks played against each other. Now, mind you, the only knowledge I have about hockey is just enough to say that I'm a fan. And that's just because I'm from the Bay Area. Um But when the Bruins and the Sharks played, the Bruins won, didn't they? Yes, they did. (laughs) (laughs) I was there 10 rows back from the ice. It was
1: amazing.
2: So with that, I'm going to go ahead and lead us down into high school sports for a little bit. Uh, But before we get into any specific stories, uh, I'd like to go over some of the all-stars um, for some sports, uh, mainly we have girls and boys basketball and then girls and boys soccer. I'm only going to list the MVP and then the first team because going farther than that, that's just a lot of names to list. Uh, so that being said, let's start with girls basketball. So the most viable player, according to BVAL, was Amanda Muse. And then for the first team, you have Veronica Gordon of Freedom, Aliyah Flukas from Freedom, Gabby Martini from Heritage, Madison Perea from Liberty, and PJ Allen from Pittsburgh. For boys basketball, the most valuable player was Miles Lawrence from Liberty. And for the first team, you have Julian Costa from Liberty, Yannick Nuifo from Heritage, Dominic Andrews from Antioch, Daniel Vigil from Freedom, and Devin Carson from Deer Valley. For girls' soccer, the MVP was Senior Michaela Yancey from Heritage. And for first team, you have Madison Del Prado from Heritage, Jaden Sanders, also from Heritage, Sabrina Rogers and Carly Lewandowski, also from Heritage, and Peyton Hoover from Liberty, Riley Stiglich from Liberty, Brooklyn Pierce, and Paulina Gutierrez from Freedom, Angelina Bond from Pittsburgh, Isabella Eversmorin from Pittsburgh, and Alexia Dubon from Deer Valley. For boys soccer, we have MVP Josue Hernandez-Villeda from Pittsburgh, and then also on the first team, we have Guillermo Hernandez-Para from Pittsburgh, Jesus Loa Amaya from Pittsburgh, Samuel Moreno also from Pittsburgh, Robel Seum from Heritage, Conrad Faulkner also from Heritage, Grant Ogden from Heritage, Ernesto Martinez from From Liberty, Elias Castro from Freedom, Daniel Gonzalez from Antioch, and Angel Sandova from Deer Valley. And those were the all-star teams for soccer and basketball.
1: Great job playing your heart out to all the the students. I know it can be
2: tricky to balance sports and schoolwork. Well, not only that, but since they're coming back from, um, you know pandemic seasons um and they're starting to have to play play regularly now being able to get back into it and making onto the making mvp or just making it into the all-star teams because there were more there was also honorable mentions there was second teams and all of those to all the players who made those teams you know just congratulations on a job well done this season 100 percent.
0: yeah i think the the pandemic you know this being the first season after pandemic is crucial to a lot of these sports you know i'll talk about a little bit later in the episode but Kyle and I sat down with Coach Hartwig, um, the heritage football coach who went to Super Bowl Joe Mixon. And you know, he was talking about, he's assistant coach now. And just talking about how this has been the first season in you know close to three years now. It's been a truly normal season for all these sports, obviously.
2: Yeah, so you got a, a lot of seniors who are not just playing catch up, but really doing their best to have that great last season that kind of got stagnated a little bit by the pandemic.
0: Well, because I yeah, figure if a kid's a senior this year, they would have been, what, a, a sophomore when the pandemic started?
2: Mm, yeah.
0: So it really does rob them of a lot of, unfortunately, robs them of a lot of the opportunity as an athlete to participate in those high school sports.
2: Yeah, which just means that all the work that they've put in is that much more impressive.
0: Exactly. So moving on to baseball, uh, we're 12 games into the season and the Freedom Falcons are 7-5 and following a 2-1 to loss to Berkeley at their most recent game. Uh, head coach Kevin Evanston is attributing their strong start to pitch, both their pitching and their defense. You know, Junior Sean McBroom came into the season as the ace of the Freedom Pitching Staff. In 32.1 innings, he struck out 41 batters, has allowed 26 hits, only 4 walks, and has an ERA of 1.08. Uh, senior Shane Denny and junior Trevor Carmignani are 2nd and 3rd on the team in innings pitched with 26 and 11 respectively. Both have sub 4.0 ERAs with Karnanini at 3.18 and Denny at 3.77. And defensively, senior center fielder Michonne Cole has been the leader with 33 putouts, And so, and just overall, they're clearly a very strong team in both those categories. I know 12 games in doesn't seem like we're very far into the season, but again, just hitting on what we were talking about before with the whole pandemic element of seasons as well. It just is, you know, having this team that's already seems to be fairly well built.
2: What's nice about the Freedom Falcons is that, you know, they are kind of um, on the upswing for rebuilding their team. And along with having, you know, like a really good pitching uh, lineup, which is which is really important in baseball, because as good as your defense can be, like your defense can be tired out if your pitching isn't all that it should be. Um, but also, you know, on the offensive side, they have some. Pretty good hitters this year um, that make it to so this way. You know they they have a real a really good rhythm going right now, and I'm kind of excited to see how most of it plays out later.
0: Yeah, and I, and I can't hammer it home enough. You know, I was talking about earlier was talking about how a kid who's a senior this year would have been a sophomore when the pandemic started, so it would have played a couple of weird seasons.
1: Well, you have to think that the you know when everything shut down at the beginning of the pandemic, they lost their entire baseball season. So effectively. Sophomores that year will have missed two full baseball seasons, and so now coming back, there is that need to kind of rebuild and Mm -hmm. and again learn how everybody learn how to play together, and you know both offensively and defensively.
0: No, I fully agree, and that's you know to that point, Michon Cole, who they're calling kind of their leader right now, is a senior, and he would have yeah played his last regular season as a sophomore. Yeah, so to you know stay.
1: He wouldn't have. It, would have, down down it March, would have been like, as would have been
2: a freshman. Oh, oh, oh! Because oh, oh. we shut down right at the start of baseball season. Right.
0: You're right, Mama Mia. So it's yeah, a it's, a lot it's,
2: to think yeah. about. Well, you know, if anyone would you know like to express their support for the Freedom Falcons, I know that they are having their opening B-Val game against the Antioch Panthers on April seventh, um, on four p.m. in the Antioch Field. Um. So hopefully that the Freedom Falcons do well. I'm also a fan of the Antioch Panthers. Like they just have a special place in my heart because I I know a, I've met a lot of the coaches there. So good luck to both teams. Talking a little bit though about you know sports events. Um, kind of coming up in April, um, is there is a 5K that's coming up on April 16th. So for a little bit of context, in June of 2021, 16-year-old Matthias Rogers, a high school track and cross-country star who'd become a friend to many in the community, passed away in a car accident on Sellers Avenue. Soon after, a vigil was hosted in Matthias's honor where his life and career as a runner were celebrated by both his family and the East County community. Uh, now it's almost a year later, and we have the opportunity to celebrate and remember Matthias through the Miles for Mayo 5K being hosted in Veterans Park on April 16th. Um, it is set to start at 9 a.m. and it is open to anyone who wishes to attend, be it if you're going to run or even if you're just going to walk it. Uh, Ron Rogers, Matthias's father, uh, he said that Matthias would want this event to be inclusive of anyone who would like to participate, so all are welcome and there is no limit. All runners, walkers, volunteers, and audience members are welcome to come out to Veterans Park in support of Matias. We are taking registration up through the morning of the run, which starts at 9 a.m. Um, for anybody who would like to register, you can visit www.milesformeo.org And they are also still taking donations for support of it if you would like to participate in that way instead of having to walk or run in the event.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, first off, 5K is what, I think a little over three miles. 3.1. Thank you. But uh, you're going to be there at the event, right?
2: I did. I did register to run. I can't stand cardio, but I was like, you know, uh, I've, I've done a 5K before. I figured I would do it again. But even more so, you know, I was the reporter that kind of covered Matthias's story when it all happened in June of last year. Um, it was actually the first front cover story I ever wrote was about matias and so it's kind of just kind of got that place in my heart where you know i really do want to see this 5k do well because i want to see this person who had such a great impact on the community be remembered um and so i'm gonna go to the 5k probably gonna walk maybe jog for like two minutes because i'll convince myself i could do it and then quit jogging won't get the race i'll quit jogging and i'll walk for the rest of the way but um yeah i'm looking forward to being able to cover this story
0: now has the um has the have they implied that it's going to be an annual event or is it going to be a one and done?
2: Uh, they said they would like to do it annually. Okay. Um, one of the struggles because I was talking to Ron Rogers about it, uh, one of the struggles he said is that they did most 5Ks, you know, you start planning like with at least a year in advance, right? And they didn't really start planning this till towards the end of 2021, and so they just had a lot less time to work out all the details that most 5Ks have a whole year to plan out. And so he said that, you know, he's really glad that it's coming together this year, but he definitely looks forward to being able to have an entire year to plan the event and gather gather more sponsors and, you know, really market it,
0: you know, um, earlier on. We're fortunate enough that we kind of have 5Ks pretty regularly in this area. There's a turkey trot in November. We have the New Year's Day one as well. Now we've got if this one does truly become an annual event, that's uh, those are three that I know of for sure yes. within the first six within the six month span.
1: What kind of covers three out of the four seasons?
0: Right. Yeah. True. <laughs> Nobody uh,
1: wants to run <laughs> in summer because it's a hundred plus degrees.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, because one thing that I also know is that the reason why the five k is being hosted on April sixteenth instead of June sixteenth because June sixteenth was the day of the accident is that April sixteenth was actually Matthias's birthday. So he would be 17 this year. Um, and so it's kind of – they get to kind of commemorate him in that way, um, which is why I just really want this to work out for the family. <laughs> well, in Brentwood, if if there's no other thing that they're really great at, is it's coming together as a community. Absolutely. They're um, very good at supporting each other when
0: it, when it really matters. Uh, so we're going to do a pivot now. We're going to talk about uh, Heritage's girls' softball team. They were in Sparks, Nevada on March 25th and 26th at the Reed Tournament they're just crushing it. They went 3-1-1, uh, and one and one, netting them second place in the tournament overall. But they're, I mean, they're just one of the top-ranked teams in the state right now going into the season. And, and so much like Freedom's baseball team, like we were talking about, uh, the Patriots went on to show their depth in pitching. So pitching, again, was a big element of their victory. Heritage's number one starter, senior Casey Aguiñaga, appeared in three games. Over 11 innings, she struck out 15 batters, surrounding only four walks, four hits, and one earned run for an 0.64 ERA. The number 2 pitcher, Alyssa Suarez, got into four games. She struck out 11 hitters in 11 innings and allowed 13 hits, but only two walks and three earned runs for an ERA of 1.91. Uh, head coach Ron Rivers was quoted as saying, I was just hoping that the girls would grow so we are peaking at the end of the year. Nobody wants to peak early. It gave some of the non-starters a chance to go play, and they did really well. I can take a tie and a loss early in the year to prepare for the end of the year. Actually, I was going to use that as a segue to talk about the interview I did with Coach Hartwig. Mm. Uh, Kyle and I both did it uh, last week, so it'll come out on Tuesday for everybody listening. But you know, he went to Super Bowl. He coached Joe Mixon at Freedom before moving on to Heritage, and so when Joe Mixon went to the Super Bowl at this most recent one, he invited Hartwig to go with him. And so we just we talked about his experience there. We talked about just you know what an what impressive teams we have in this area because Joe Mixon obviously isn't the only. You know, local alumni to go on to play professionally, mm-hmm. and even this season, he's not the only one.
2: Oh yeah, no, you know, because we we also saw you know from East County, we saw Najee Harris and Isaiah Dunn having their rookie debuts in the NFL this year. Um, and the you know Najee Harris, I think actually broke a few NFL records. Um, so there is kind of just that precedent of you know in football especially, um, but also in other sports, just this precedent of you know athletes going really far and doing very well for themselves.
0: Yeah. And I I don't want to, um, I could be misquoting this. It'll come out on Tuesday, like I said, but I believe Coach Hartwig, I believe Kevin had said that freedom alone has produced three or four different, Mm -hmm. you know, NFL athletes over the years. And it's not counting Liberty. It's not counting Heritage, obviously. So just, again, just whatever's happening here, whether it's coaching, which a lot of, that's a lot of what he attributed to, just, you know, having a strong staff for coaching, you know, really the programs out here clearly work.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Speaking of good players and athletes in the East County area, I did want to introduce one other thing that I had actually seen posted. The city of Brentwood is partnering with junior giants to host an eight week long season this summer, free to all participants. Junior giants will provide uniforms, equipment, and fun prizes to participants. Everyone is welcome ages five to 13. And the season is the week of June 13th through August 7th. There will be practice on Monday or Wednesday and games will be on Sundays for everybody. The site is the Sunset Park Athletic Complex on Sunset Road in Brentwood. Registration can be done online and opens on Monday, April 4th. To sign up, go to www.gojrgiants.org. And they're also looking for volunteers, volunteers, to, to coach and and be team support staff as well. So that is a great opportunity if you have a kid, a younger kid who is looking to get into playing. I mean, you can't beat the price with a stick, right? It's free. And it sounds like they're really, you know, they celebrate diversity, the flyer says. All are welcome to play. So definitely kind of a chance to get your feet wet if your kid is interested in Baseball
0: or softball? Yeah, no, the Junior Giants I think is a is a terrific organization. I'm speaking off the cuff here, so I don't have the information in front of me. But uh, but last year, I'd written a story about a player who had, she had been on the Junior Giants for a few years. Her family had experienced you know a couple of hardships, and the team had kind of really rallied around her. And she th- they awarded her, I believe, a scholarship. And I'm so sorry, I'm blank on the name right now. Like I said, I'm doing off the cuff here. But um, you can find the story on thepress.net. But <laughs> just type in Junior Giants. But no, just I mean, just a great community mm. resource. It's just very, you know, number one, free, which is, you know, great for families of all, you know, income types. But in addition to that, <clears throat> excuse me, in addition to that, just a very, it provides a great sense of community, a lot of life skills, because a lot of what happens on the field obviously can be applied to life, perseverance, tenacity, you know, resilience, all these sort of things that are, you know, skills for the sports, then, you know, can certainly be applied to life off the field as well, and it's... And so I think having those sorts of those sorts of resources are terrific for that reason,
2: yeah, it's definitely a very supportive place for, you know, families that maybe can't afford, like, you know, little league because I know that that can get super expensive. well, between,
1: you know, you you maybe get a uniform shirt, right? When you sign up and then have them go out and buy all the additional equipment that mm. goes along with whatever sport it is. Mm. it does. It adds up quick. and and then, you know, multiply that by however many kids you have playing sports. So this is a fantastic opportunity to provide mm. everything for you. Plus, you know, it's it's a learning league. So,
2: so do they, do they provide equipment too? Did I believe that's that? what it said. Let's let me go back. That's pretty good because I remember, you know, because my family one time, you know, we we used to do all those little league sports, and when we did little league softball, and we would go to you know like Sports Authority to get a baseball bat, uh, we found bats that were like $300. And my dad was like, she is 11. (laughs) Um, Do you have something that's just, you know, made of aluminum that she can
1: swing? That makes me even more grateful to programs like this that are more low-key, that they are kept local, but they give that opportunity to, to go and learn and play and experience what it's like to be on a team um, to to play the sport, to try it out, and again, that that price tag, man, you can't beat it with a stick. Uh, can't can't beat it or with a, a baseball bat. bat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, but that's kind of where we are as far as stories. The one thing I will do is I'll tease a story. It's coming up probably in next week's episode. Is I just got word this morning that uh, the former Roddy Ranch Golf Course, sorry golfers, is now being retooled by the East Bay Regional Park District and the East Contra Costa County Habitat Conservancy. In partnership with restoration design groups, it's going to become a national park, essentially. So Mm. while that sucks for golfers, anybody who they'll have equestrian trails or equestrian parking and plenty of hiking trails as well there. So anybody who's into more recreational outdoor stuff like that has that to look forward to. And I'll have more details on that next week. It'll certainly be in next week's paper as well.
1: Can I question you on one of the things you said? You said it was set to become a national park. Did you mean East Bay Regional Park? I sure did. (laughs) (laughs) As a grown up now, my sport is hiking and backpacking. And so if you haven't been out on the East Bay Regional Park trails, I just want to give a little shout out. It's a fantastic way to enjoy the beautiful weather we're having and to get in some good exercise and take in some really beautiful scenery.
0: Could not have said it better myself. With that final thought, this is, that's the episode, everybody. If you want to keep up with these stories and more, you can follow us at www.thepress.net or by downloading our free app from your preferred app store. You can also follow us on social media at thepressnet on Facebook or follow this podcast on Instagram and Twitter at thepressclockedin. Questions, comments, compliments—send them to Jake at BrentwoodPress.com. I want to thank Caitlin Gleason and Melissa Van Ruten once again for filling in for Kyle this week. Until next time, this is Jake Menez, Caitlin
2: Gleason,
1: and Melissa Van Ruten. Clocking clocking out. out.